Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics. I am excited to have Ken Grove today as part of the newly launched TAP series. Ken sets an entrepreneurial spirit and it has guided his career in both the private and public sectors. His journey has led him to be an investor, a CEO, an executive, and a board chair on the successful founding teams of over six companies. He has achieved a lot, and he has also given back a lot. And I'm looking forward to learning more about your journey, Ken. Welcome to Back to Basics. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. And, uh, you know, we've had a couple of people from the Acceleration Project on board already, and Jane, of course, as co-founder. So our audience, or my audience, rather, knows that we're doing this as a side series and you and I are part of the president's circle. Absolutely. And we just recently, well, I, I recently joined. I don't know. Are, are you also recently joined? Yes, I recently joined. I'm very excited to be part of it. Yes, because they found they, they created Marsha, who's also been on the show, created from scratch. So I'm very excited to have you here and I'm beyond impressed with what you've achieved and your journey. So I want to hear all about it. I know you're in California now. Are you originally from California? No, actually, I'm from New York. I'm from, I grew up in Manhattan. Oh, nice. You see all these people from, I keep saying this, all, all <laughs> the people I've interviewed recently are from New York. I don't know what's going on. So tell me about your childhood. What were you passionate about? What, uh, what, what, what were your dreams as a, as sure. a young child? You know, New York was an interesting place to grow up. I believe it. And <laughs> if you've interviewed a lot of people, you probably sense an incredible energy yes. that you get from these people. And you grow up very quickly. Uh, some would say too fast. Mm -hmm. I imagine. And you experience so much at an early age. And I think it drove my passions and, and excitement to really engage in this world in a very significant way. I grew up uh, going to a private school in New York. And I was exposed to you know, all of New York, though. Uh, even though I was in a private school, I really got involved in the community at an early age. And one of the things I think that truly impacted me was my uh, was when I was seven years old. That year, my parents got divorced, mm -hmm. and it was uh, it was it was very difficult. You know, I was still young, but old enough to understand. But my parents really gave me a gift. With um, when they got divorced, they really tried hard to make sure they still work together as a team for their children. Mm -hmm. My brother and I were supported and they, were, uh, they actually lived across the street from each other after the divorce for 12 years. Oh, wow, that's amazing. And made an effort to attend um, functions together, family functions, birthday parties, and really tried hard to support us together. And it showed me early on you know, what a team can do and that you can't work alone in a vacuum, um, that you really have to be a partners. Wow, that's powerful. 
Aris Pauz. Yeah, who was it was really important for me. And then that same year, I was actually in a car accident. Oh my god! About probably about four or five months after the divorce. Oh my god! I was uh, my brother, my dad, and I were walking out of Yankee Stadium after a World Series game, and I was hit by we were three of us were hit by a car. Um, along with 11 other people. Holy cannoli. And luckily, my dad only broke his coccyx, and my brother had a concussion, um, but they were both okay. I, unfortunately, was immediately rushed to the hospital, and I uh, experienced uh, tremendous pain and anguish for about, uh, on and off for about six months. I was in and out of hospitals. I was in a body cast. I broke my femur, had intestinal damage. And the doctors had a very long surgery, hours and hours to save my life. Wow, Ken, that's amazing. And that again showed me teamwork. You know, to get through those six months where I had to learn how to walk again. And I had my friends, my family, the nurses, the doctors, we're all part of this team that helped me recover. And And I sat in this hospital seeing my closest friends in the hospital die around me. Mm-hmm. And seeing that at an early age really does have a tremendous impact in your life and teaches you the, to, to give back and that, to really explore that. Wow, that, that is a very powerful story. And, and honestly, it's, uh, it's amazing because I, w- I was saying in a different episode when you talk to people And you see them, they have upbeat energy. And that's what I've gotten from you, you know, what, what I've seen you in the, in the meetings we've had. And, and you know, and, and it boils down to everybody has a painful story at some point. Like nobody eats. Absolutely. It's, and then it's your decision on how you deal with it. And, and, and this is the first time, to be honest, that I hear your, your view, like that view on teamwork, you know, after a divorce and then again in the hospital. And, and it's powerful. I, I really like that mindset. Yeah, it's helped guide me throughout my entire life. You know, to be honest, uh, and maybe this is also in part growing up in New York City, <laughs> but I'm, I'm an extrovert. Mm-hmm. I, I get my energy from people. I learn from people. I want to hear how they think. And my job is really in life to synthesize everything around me to create a, a better world. Well, I'm not surprised uh, that, that you're part of, of TAP because I know that they're big on, on, you know, how they choose. And I'm not saying this because I'm part, because I'm very humble here. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how I ended up here, but everybody has such a powerful story. And when, you know, when I talk to Jane and Marsha and they say, we want to make a difference in the world, It's like, I never really spoken like that because I, I never really think I can make a difference in the world. It, it sounds like a big task, but the truth is we can. And, and, and through some of the initiatives that you, you, I'm sure you'll share shortly, you can tell how, how you are doing that and, and becoming extremely successful in the process. So obviously all these stepping stone and experiences, you, you really um, made the most out of it because you went, what, you went and studied. What did you decide to study in university when the time came? Yeah, I actually ended up studying uh, psychology. Wow. Wow, that's really, interesting. I thought I was going to be a psychiatrist. And, and then? <laughs> well, I quickly realized that I hate the sight of blood. <laughs> and maybe it was because I had literally hundreds of needles uh, mm-hmm. poked at me at mm-hmm. an early age yeah. and 
my experiences in the hospital, but I, I couldn't go through medical school. I see. And, um, and, but it, it guided me to help me understand people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a wonderful degree um, for that purpose. And I think if you can understand people, you'll be able to really accomplish so much more in this world, in any field. I totally agree with you. And, and it's powerful because, and I've said it so many times that, that anybody that listens to me regularly say, oh, she, here she goes again. But part of why I created this podcast was because of that, because like you, I enjoy talking to people and I enjoy understanding what they're going through and being there for them if I can. And just, you know, listening and be helpful and connecting. And that, that really Absolutely. has been the main purpose and and it's a very powerful thing. Once you live your life like that, there's no way you can go back and live in it like, you know, like maybe when I was fully in the corporate world and going through the motions. And, and you know, once once I stop and realize, then it's just you cannot go back. Yep, I agree completely. And uh, so you start. Well, so you had that career, but then you went and worked in, in different companies. You became a serious entrepreneur. I read somewhere which I was a fan, of course, it caught my attention because I still have my Yahoo email. That was the first email I ever had. People laugh at me. I'm like, do you have a Yahoo email? It's like, it's my first email. I got it in like 96 or 97. And that's yeah. the only personal email I give away. <laughs> so, and you were part of that, I realized. Yes, I was. <laughs> uh, actually, it was funny. I was talking to a friend recently and I remember back in 97 or 98, when we created Yahoo Mail <laughs> and we acquired a company called Rocket Mail. Mm-hmm. And I sat there in this meeting and I said to my friend, this is going to either be the greatest way for people to communicate or it's the demise of our society. Hmm. <laughs> and quite honestly, I think it's been both. <laughs> I, I was about to say, well, I'm interested in, in hearing this because... As someone that is in telecommunications uh, and, and enables telecommunications, I feel the same way. I feel like we are an enabler, but at the same time, we are helping the demise of human connection. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it, you know, it's been really interesting to see what technology has done for the world in so many positive ways and bringing people together. But also it can be very, it's challenging because we want people to still have that human connection. and. We want people to be able to communicate clearly with each other. And, and if you look at our children, who are all very tech savvy yes. and communicate through text, I still believe strongly in verbal communication. And, um, and I hope that the importance of technology in our lives, um, does, we continue to raise the importance of verbal communication. I couldn't agree more. And I have, you know, people sometimes make fun of me because my 10-year-old, it's a little actor, right? And, and I mean, he has a personality. And and so I got him into acting classes very early. And people think because I want to be like the mom that has an acting kid and nothing is further from the truth. I actually enjoy the fact that he likes to talk and, and those classes kind of uh, nurture the talking out loud, the looking at the camera, that I say, no matter what he chooses to do in life, 
if he has to give a speech at work or a university, he's going to have some tools just because of those lessons. Not not as much yeah. as he's going to be famous. There's not that many things these days that we can give our kids to nurture those, you know, communication skills and just uh, speaking up in a way. Absolutely. And I would say, though, the idea that we can truly build community on with technology has been phenomenal. And I think the sharing of ideas and sharing of desires can enable us to really learn from each other and, and grow and, and enjoy life more at the same time. I, I like that. I like the building community with technology and even including like even the elderly we don't realize how how excluded they are in a way, you know, and what we call in our in, in telecom jargon, the digital divide and all these things. And yes, with technology, we can exclude them. But if we care enough to teach them, to take them through the steps on how to use, you know, simple sure. technology, they really get a window open. And, and they this is the best gift we can give the elderly is to to bring them into, you know, into the, the edge of technology. And, 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 Absolutely. Right? My, and, uh, my 97-year-old grandmother. Uh-huh. I just turned 97 two days ago. Oh, congratulations. She lives near you in Florida. Oh, great. She was alone during this pandemic. And it was really challenging. And we pushed her over the years to learn about email. She resisted. To learn about text, resisted. But we were able to get her to FaceTime. That's, yeah. And... FaceTime and communication has allowed her to participate in family events through via Zoom. And it's been really um, phenomenal for her. So I agree, we need to bring them along and help them understand how technology can, can improve their lives and bring them closer to their friends and family. Absolutely. And I've said it on the show before, but I'll say it again. Uh, I take the PSA opportunity. If you have an elderly in your life, just take the time that is not connected. Just put, you know, three icons mm. on their device. It doesn't have to be complicated. And really, it will change their lives and yours, too, because I'm enjoying my chats with my aunts in Sicily. I used to call them <laughs> maybe once a month, but now once of them. One of them became widowed during this time and she's alone at home. So now I made it my purpose every week and I call her and we chat and it's just so great. So um, I, I, I totally agree with you. So, so tell me more about your, the journey. I mean, I know you're a very successful business person, entrepreneur. Anything you want to share about that particular journey? Any learning points? Anything on that front you care to sure. share? Well. I think journey is an important word and it's been a journey. And, you know, early, early on, I, everything to me in life is about impact and passion. You have to be passionate about what you're doing or else you will not be successful. People feel that passion. You feel the passion. You need to be able, I need to be able to wake up every morning, look at myself in the mirror and say, I'm leaving my children. I'm leaving my wife today to do something that's going to, that I'm passionate about. And that there, there has to, that has to exist for you to do what you want to do in life. So my journey though, has taken me from nonprofits in the public sector to the private sector. And quite honestly, when I graduated from college, I thought I was going to be a nonprofit executive and that's it. 
and I could have been extremely happy doing that. Um, I think that's it's it's a wonderful career. And and then one day I got a call from Yahoo. It was back in '96. They had less than 100 employees, and they wanted to build a brand. They thought I was young and scrappy, <laughs> probably, <laughs> and. I thought it was a wonderful opportunity, but I struggled with the fact that I was supposed to be a nonprofit guy. And nonprofits, got, nonprofit executives are the ones who make a difference, and they're the only ones who made a difference. And that was probably my arrogance, I guess, at the time, and my lack of knowledge and my lack of understanding of the entire world. And I spoke to, I listened to a speech from Ben Cohen at mm-hmm. Ben & Jerry's. And he talked about how he is not nonprofit. He is not for profit. He's a concerned citizen. Mm, I love that. And it really resonated with me because I can continue to do whatever I want in life and be a concerned citizen with whatever it is that I'm doing. And so when I went to Yahoo, I really looked at it as an opportunity to build community, to bring people together and give them an opportunity to share information, to gather information. That, that will make their lives, that will improve their lives. Now, don't get me wrong, there along the way, there are, you have to look at your values mm-hmm. and check in and make sure you're doing what you think is right. Um, and there were experiences throughout my career, including Yahoo, where I had to check that. You know, I remember when the Star Report came out about President Clinton and Yahoo, Excite, InfoSeq, AOL, we were all fighting for who was going to get the star report up first. And I remember sitting in this meeting and thinking about like that this is, uh, this is something that people wanted to see, but it didn't really connect with my yes. value system. Yes, yes, right? yes. But it was about the world, that the world was changing. The world was asking for information, demanding information, and wanted that connection. But that was a, you know, a difficult moment. I imagine. But I love me. the fact that you say checking in because I've been in those circumstances where I'm like, hmm, I don't know how I feel exactly about that. And I have to think and think. And there's honestly very a couple of issues, I think, of the big ones that I, I still say I, I can argue both sides and I, it would be hard for me to be one or the other. And uh, But checking yep. in with your values and at the end of the day, I think your gut knows what you can do and what you cannot do and what you feel comfortable with. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, so after Yahoo though, I left Yahoo, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, Mm -hmm. we decided to travel around the world for about nine months. Awesome. And we were about midway through our journey. We were on our way to Asia and 9-11 happened. Mm. And like everybody else in the world, it, it changed our lives. I was in San Francisco at the time the 9-11 occurred. Um, we were leaving in a week for Asia. And I decided, we decided to, um, to go help New York. It was my hometown. My hometown was hurting. Mm. And volunteers were also being turned away because they didn't know how to handle the number of people that wanted to help the city. So I moved back to New York and I was involved with all of these youth service organizations. And I founded City, co-founded City Year in New York, which was an AmeriCorps program that, gave, that helped young people volunteer in schools and support schools through a year of full-time leadership serve, and service. And it was 
a lot of people told me, don't do it. Don't enter New York um, right now because New York doesn't have the money. And I said that this is important. And the political leaders, the corporate executives really got behind it and supported it and the citizens of New York. And it quickly grew to be, at the time, one of the the largest city year program in the country. And it was wonderful to be part of that. I, I was very excited to be back in New York to help New York rebuild itself. Well, if you don't hear me speaking, it's because I'm speechless, everybody. <laughs> like when I hear <laughs> these things, they no, really, you're inspiring me as you speak. It's, uh, wow, that's very, very powerful. And, 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 you know, and just the fact, I think a lot of people feel what you feel, which is that call, like you have to help, me included. Very few act upon it. Me included. Like, mm-hmm. I try to help as much as I can. But also, for example, I come from a country, and that's not an excuse, but I come from Venezuela. And that's already messy by definition. <laughs> it's a messy country. Yeah. So <laughs> sometimes you don't even have the platforms to help. Like, you don't know where to go. It doesn't exist. And then you can argue, yeah, but you can create it. And it's true, which is what you did. <laughs> and that's why I'm inspired, yeah. you know, because even when there's no platforms, uh, you found a way to answer to that calling, and that's truly, um, yeah, it's it's uh, impactful for sure. It was, yeah, it was it was a wonderful experience. But I also knew that I wasn't going to stay in nonprofits or or for profits. I didn't know what was going to be next. So the journey for me it became not about nonprofit and for profit because um, that's what I thought it was when I graduated, mm-hmm. and I had to really allow myself to to follow the journey and see where my passion takes me, what excites me. I got a call from my cousin that he, who owned some doggy daycare centers in Chicago that his healthy natural pet food was flying off the shelf. Mm-hmm. I had grown up with two dogs in my mom's house and seven cats in my dad's house. Uh. And he uh, said, what do you think about a concept for a Whole Foods for pets? So I helped him. In the early stages, just investing and sitting on the board. And then we saw that the first store was very successful. And we uh, decided I joined him as, as a partner. And we built a chain of all natural pet food stores around the country. Now, if you told me when I was 22 years old that I was going to be running a retail chain of all natural pet food stores, <laughs> I would have laughed at you. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> That was not my mission, but I was passionate about it. I was helping animals live longer, healthier lives, which also made humans, their families, happier. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was an exciting time in my life to you know, start another company, grow that company, and uh, eventually we sold it. Oh, and that, and that's why we started this series because I was gonna. I knew this was gonna be inspirational conversations with anybody that's on the same mission to help, uh, you know, underserved businesses, which we'll get to. But the 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 follow your passion is so powerful because I think um, that we get the labels very early on in our lives about what we're gonna see, and you you were very you were ready to shed those labels like you wanted to go and, and study psychology and then when the time came and you say you have to come to terms that mm, this is not what I like and and you change it you know some people get so stuck into the vision that they they don't do that and I think that's 
what where the disconnection between the passion and what what I call the what makes them tick and their lives, you know, go completely separate ways. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to adapt, right? Mm -hmm. But don't get me wrong, I I had to learn as a young person. You know, when I was in college and I'm at Cornell, I could I found ways to get whatever I want accomplished on that campus. If I wanted a speaker to come and I it would cost $5,000 to have that speaker come, I found a way to find the money on the campus to make that happen. If I wanted to start a, a group on the campus, I found a way. If I wanted to start a nonprofit my senior year in college, I found that way. But when I graduated, I moved to D.C. and Clinton had just come into office and the idealism was was in full fire. And I had started this nonprofit in, at Cornell, uh, Students for Children, which was a child advocacy group, um, teaching young people about how to get involved on, the, um, on public policy for children. And I was interning at a, another organization called the Child Welfare League. And I wanted to take my Students for Children program and bring it nationwide. And we started expanding it to other college campuses. And the Child Welfare League gave me an opportunity where they said, I, we will take in your program. You'll be part of our organization. We'll help you expand and you'll work for us. Hmm. Well, my 22 year old arrogant brain <laughs> said, no, because I want you to give me office space. I want you to help me fundraise, but we're going to be an independent 501c3 organization and you will, um, you'll support us. Hmm. They of course said no. And because of that arrogance, they they basically kicked me out the door. <laughs> well, but then, and, but then you kept you going. Know, I kept going, but you know, you learn from that lesson. It was crushing. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to realize that you don't control the world. <laughs> you know, you might be inspired and passionate, but you gotta work with others. And if you want to be a true leader, you have to take people along the journey with you and accept their help and learn from what they can offer you. I love them. And that has been, that's been a guiding light for me, um, where I talked about earlier that I'm an extrovert, uh, but I spend every day, I make sure that I learn something from somebody. And as I said before, I can t then take all these ideas, synthesize them, and come up with whatever concept or next, next step it's going to be on my journey. Mm, that that that's great. And uh, and uh, is do, is there a next step right now that you want to talk about <laughs> before? Well, um, uh, I actually am. Uh, I after selling the company, I I was investing in different companies. Um, I have investments in beverage companies such as T Riot and Lemon Perfect. I'm also an investor in some restaurants like Blaze Pizza, Tender Greens. Uh, some e-commerce apparel, Mac Weldon. And part of that journey was I wanted to advise different companies and sit on boards. But what I realized was that when I advise companies and I just sit on boards, I'm actually not having a significant impact uh, for me personally. It works for others and that's great. But for me, I needed to get back to my entrepreneurial roots where I'm working day to day on, on a new concept. Um, so 
unfortunately, I can't talk about it right now. No, I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm sure it's awesome. But I'm excited to uh, take this next step in my journey. Awesome. Um, And and I mean, and you are a young guy, so I can definitely, while I say advising others, uh, definitely sounds like great, which you're doing uh, through other avenues. But also, you know, it's just exciting to see where the next the next chapter is and the, and the next challenge. And it sounds, I'm sure you're going to be extremely successful. And uh, well, the one, one initiative that I think we're both very excited about, uh, it's the acceleration project. And, and uh, we've shared here, but basically I'm, I'm creating this space to talk to people like you, which have, you know, these in- super inspirational stories. And we are also going to showcase the stories of the people, the CEO, the small business owners that we will be helping and that TAP is already helping. You know, TAP has been uh, in doing helping people already for for years. And and so we are going to be helping to see how we can reach more underserved businesses and uh, help the local economies and, and channeling talent into it. So is there anything related to the TAP initiative that you want to uh, share? You know, I, I really look forward to working with TAP to help these small businesses. I think small businesses, and uh, whether it's a restaurant, a retail store, whatever it might be, they're the backbone of America. And we can't forget that. And we need to support them. And many of them um, do not have a have an idea and have a passion and just like i said before they need the support of uh, we all need support of others and we need to learn from each other Um, and i think it's a real opportunity for us to learn from the small business owners and the small business owners to learn from our experiences i think it's uh and and help them drive that mission and and never give up because starting a small business is not easy You know, I actually wanted to share something. I keep, I keep this sandal uh-huh. on my desk okay. for the last 30 years. All right. It's been sitting on my desk. This sandal, I worked at a camp for um, physically, sexually abused and um, emotionally challenged children. And at the end of camp, kids often leave something behind. And then we have an auction and we just raffle off, auction off their items. So my friends bought me this slipper <laughs> or that was one of my favorite campers who was unfortunately abused and was challenged. And I came back years later to the camp and I saw him. He was working in the kitchen as a counselor and he was strong and uh, together and he was, um, he showed me that with the help of others and, and his own passion for life, you can overcome any obstacle. Mm. And so when I'm having a bad day or somebody in my office is having a bad day, I point to the shoe. Mm. Mm. And I say, if he could do it, I can do it, you can do it. And that's the same message to small business owners, because I think and to all of us, you know, starting a business is not easy and we need to help and support each other. They need to support us and we need to support them. And that's the journey that will make them successful. 
Wow, and I thank you for sharing that story. That's that's powerful, and uh, and the message I mean resonates with me, and res- I'm sure resonates as a as a as a business owner, and I'm sure resonates with a lot of people. And uh, you know, of course, if you're a small business owner, uh, check out the Acceleration Project. That org. All the links are on on the show notes. If you maybe are a consultant that don't know, you know how to help. I know that uh, Tab relies on, on on volunteers. You know, successful people that want to give back to their local community. So you also, uh, I encourage you to check it out. And uh, I mean, all the amazing things like the Child Welfare League and, and other things that Ken has mentioned. I'm going to try to put as many links in the show notes for you to check out. Uh, so Ken, before I let you go, because I know you sound like an extremely busy <laughs> guy, so I thank you for the time, but I cannot let you go without asking, you know, in those times where you feel down, besides looking at that uh, sandal that you just showed me, that obviously helped you connect with something deeper. Is there anything else that makes you tick in those times where, you know, anything you do, any place you go where you can f- reconnect with uh, with your true essence? You know, I I have a theory of, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen those boxes that teach children to spend, to save, yes, um, and to give, mm-hmm. right? Well, I have a theory that for me personally, I need to make sure that I'm spending the saving time. First, I'm saving time for my friends and family in my life because they energize me. Spend that time as we talked about finding my passion and engaging in that passion and then giving back. And those three things really help energize me. So if I have a moment where I'm feeling down, I I try to look at like, okay, what could I be doing right now that will help center me? And it might be throwing a ball with my child. It might be going for a walk and with my wife. It might be going zip lining with my daughter, which believe me is really challenging because I have a fear of heights. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and it, it really helps me to just have those few moments to really um, center myself. Wow. You are not joking when you say you have a power for of uh, synthesizing things because you just said it in a, you know, in a very Deep, profound, but also direct way. You know, friends and family follow my passion and giving back. And uh, yeah. I'm not surprised why you seem, you know, not only a successful person, but a happy person. And and I really thank you for your time here. And I'm looking so forward working with you in TAP and hopefully making a difference in other people's life. I'm very excited to work with you too. And I think TAP is a wonderful organization and it's going to really help a tremendous amount of people. Oh, thank you so much, Ken, and best of luck. And thanks for being here in Back to Basics. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And until the next time.